Welcome to On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. So today we will be talking to Lynn Miller of Sumo Lee Boxing Gym down in Phuket. It's located in the sort of northern part of the island. Lynn is a great person, a really strong businesswoman who I've had the pleasure of meeting before. We've known each other for a couple of years now. She's a doctor of psychology with a background in social and market research. Uh, she is the founder, of course, and managing director of the gym. And she had a long, long stint in the social and marketing research industry, which is really interesting. Uh, we talk about it a little bit in this interview. She opened up the gym in about 2009 and was also involved for a long time with uh, Sanchai Sor King Stars Gym down in Phuket. So without further ado, the interview with Lynn Miller. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Lynn. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And thank you very much uh, for inviting me to talk about my experience of doing business in Thailand. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, you've been in Thailand um, for about, or coming back and forth for over 20 years, correct? Well, actually, the first time I visited was in um, 1983, but mm. I didn't visit again until 2000. Mm. And since then, I've been coming back on a regular basis and moved. Well, I mean, I don't consider myself to be a permanent resident here, but I have been more or less permanently here since 2009. Right. Uh, and one of the reasons for that was you've become involved in the Muay Thai business um, about 12 years ago. You actually have more of a background in research. Uh, what was the transition going from uh, research and into Muay Thai? Well, as you can imagine, it was um, a huge transition because not only was it a completely different uh, field uh, to work in, but it was um, also working in a, a completely different country. Um, essentially, doing business in any country um, is more or less the same. Um, you, know, you have to register the business, there are tax responsibilities, all the statutory duties that um, a business has to conduct is more or less the same in any country, but obviously in Thailand, um, regulation is not quite as good as it is in other countries. And obviously here, accessing information is um, very, very difficult. Not least, obviously language is a major barrier. And, and the other one is that there's actually very little online, so there's, there's Things are not joined up in the way that um, I was used to uh, doing business in the UK. So it's a huge, huge um, transformation uh, in, in the way that you um, conduct the business on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, very, very big differences in terms of um, trust, I think, is a major issue when you're doing business in Thailand. So things that I've been used to in the past, like um, having some employees when you receive an invoice or receive a service, uh, you, you don't get that in Thailand. Everything has to be paid for in advance. Uh, for a foreigner doing business here, there are no lines of credit. So the business has to be running credit all the time, which um, is obviously something that you have to keep your eye on. So, um, yeah, it's kind of same, same, but different. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, you had a pretty extensive background in research. What do you think, sort of, what parts of the research industry did you find helpful when you moved into the Muay Thai business? Oh, that's a good question. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, it... it I, I suppose I was used to I was used to doing business. I was used to um, dealing with the authorities. I was used to seeking out information. I was familiar with uh, business systems. Um, so, so really, I was I was well placed to start any business, um, whatever that field mm. might have been. Mm -hmm. 
guess a general business background then. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been 25 years in my previous business, mm-hmm. um, which was quite different um, in that in the, the research business I was involved in previously, we used to get a small number of very large contracts. Mm. Um, in the bright eye business, it's very, very different because um, you're getting a large number mm-hmm. of um, relatively smaller pieces smaller <laughs> pieces of business. So you're, you're constantly having to keep keep peddling, mm-hmm. constantly having to keep marketing. And, um, you know, uh, customer retention is not as high as it would have been in a research business. So I've had to be on my toes a lot more, actually, mm-hmm. in this business. In many respects, it's been much more challenging mm. than the previous business. What drew you first to the business and how did you initially get involved? So, uh, I mean, I, I was drawn to it because uh, initially when I uh, came to town in 2009, I hadn't come to do business here. I come, uh, I wanted to a year off and my daughter wanted to come to learn to speak Thai, which she did uh, incredibly quickly. And um, I had this vision uh, when I planned to have a year off that I spent the whole year lying on the beach reading books. And, <laughs> and, and it wasn't like that because apart from anything else, we came in the rainy season, so no sooner would you go to the beach, but it would start to rain. <laughs> so I started training myself. And, and so that's how I initially became, obviously for recreation, mm. uh, I started training myself and that's how I was introduced to the first gym that I was involved in. Mm-hmm. And um, when uh, an opportunity came to invest in that gym, I, I, was, uh, I was very excited by that opportunity because I'd always felt very attracted to the idea of living in Asia. And um, I... Uh, saw the opportunity of investing in a business that I'd enjoyed and that, that I felt I could make a contribution to as being a very attractive opportunity. So so I went for it, perhaps with not enough thought in the first <laughs> phase, but, but yeah, that's what I did. I had the opportunity to do it. I was in a position to do it. So I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I know a little bit more of the backstory, and I would say you were successful in it, um, especially considering other foreigners' experiences. Uh, you know, you got a lot of valuable experience from it. But what do you think you learned from investing in this first gym, and what did you take away from it? So obviously, um, I learned a lot about the business. I learned a lot about how the multi business was structured. I learned a lot about how uh, what the competition was doing, how they were operating, and I learned a lot about how uh, small to medium businesses in Thailand operated, and uh, uh, it, it it wasn't very enlightened, uh, shall we put it this way. A lot of the um, business practices were antiquated to say the least and there was no um, I mean when I arrived in the business they didn't even have a business computer there was no kind of admin functional office uh, no booking system no back office systems no social media they didn't actually have a website um, but um, there, there was a lot a lot to do and a lot to uh, put in place. So I kind of learned really, um, I suppose I learned that um, there was a, uh, an opportunity to do something uh, that could be quite interesting. Uh, when I'd made the decision to move out of the business, I felt that there was a good opportunity to put some of the skills that I had um, into place to, to make um, an interesting and an attractive um, uh, offer as well. Um, a big thing really, and this is the reason why I stayed in the business for such a short period of time, it was about the cultural differences. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a language problem and the fault wasn't uh, 
one person or another. It was just a completely different frame of reference as to how to do business. And I realized that, you know, if I'd stayed there for 40 years and tried to make it work, it, it was never going to work. So it was best to, to withdraw and um, do something uh, of my own back. So that's what I did. Yeah, I definitely can understand uh, the cultural differences. Having worked for, you know, a couple of Muay Thai gyms at Fay Group in the past and now at Fairtex, there are definitely structured cultural differences that can make uh, things very challenging for both Thais and foreigners alike when they're dealing with each other. But what what sort of things uh, did you see the competition doing at the time? Because, you know, especially when you became involved in the Muay Thai industry, uh, there was a real, you know, a growth in Phuket um, as sort of a sports tourism, Muay Thai tourism location. Yeah, so, uh, so at that time, I suppose, uh, I can't tell you exactly, but there were probably about four or five uh, Biggish and uh, gyms in Phuket. One was Railway Waitai, one was Simbi Waitai, one was Tiger Waitai, and the other was Prophet K, which was doing lots of um, interesting and new stuff. Um, at that time, Phuket Top Team had come on board. They actually, I think they opened um, probably the year before us, they opened in 2010. Uh, so, so the main thing that, that I saw at that time was that all of the gyms really were focused on fighting. Uh, so they were uh, primarily fight gyms and, uh, and, and attracting the, the main customer base were uh, fighters or people that were very, very serious about Muay Thai. And uh, I thought that there was an opportunity for growing uh, the market and growing the interest in Muay Thai. And um, so then when we uh, started Somali, we just took a completely different approach to uh, to the business and what uh, what we offered to our customers. So it was it was more like uh, it, it was just a more comfortable environment for people to come to. Uh, the, the standard of accommodation, the standard of facilities was higher, and um, you know it, um, it it broadened the market quite a bit. And I think um, our gym, t- together with a number of other gyms, could take some credit for expanding the interest in Muay Thai as a, a, a recreational sport. And um, yeah, I feel that over the years we've introduced a lot of people to Muay Thai. Uh, they'll never fight, uh, but they get a lot of benefit and a lot of enjoyment from the practice of the training. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, obviously there's always been a big focus on the fighters because it is a sport and, you know, a lot of times people are, you know, intrigued by the high level athletes, but it's a broader base uh, that really supports everything. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, Like any sport, I mean, you you have the professionals, um, you have the people that are interested in it. Um, just for the sake of being interested in it. And, and at the time, 12 years ago, there weren't enough of those people around mm. really mm-hmm. to support the sport, sport in the way that it needs to be supported. Yeah, I mean, the same could be say, said of even today that there needs to be more recreational people involved in the sport to sort of uh, bring pay up for basically everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but I just want to uh, stay a little bit on the fighters for a bit, uh, because you did do some promoting, uh, which okay. is interesting, especially as a foreigner. Uh, what was that experience like? Uh, where was it? Where was it? Uh, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Okay. Well, well of course. Um, the uh, my business partner was obviously the lead person on that. I mean, he was um, an ex Muay Thai champion. Muay Thai was his business, so he was the lead person in setting all of that up. Um, I suppose it was uh, the investment that I'd made in his business that gave him the facility to be able to do that. And um, the first one that we ever did was down in uh, Catalan, in the south of Thailand, which was a fantastic experience. I certainly never um, 
experienced anything like it. It was uh, it was really Muay Thai at its roots. It was uh, I, there were some fighters were taken down from Phuket, but the vast majority of people were, were local fighters from the south of Thailand. Um, absolutely packed to the gunnels. You couldn't probably have got another person into the hall in which the fighters uh, the fights were held. Um, yeah, it was, it was just very different and very, very exciting. And then we went on from that to do some promotions in uh, Bangla Stadium in Phuket. And uh, again, uh, marvellous opportunity to be involved in that. And in fact, one of the shows, uh, I think actually Sancho was involved in two of the promotions that we did. He was, yes, he was. And there was one where he did a demonstration sparring against Sayok. And um, there was another where he fought three people, but actually he didn't fight them three people all at once. They took it in turns. And so they were all demonstration fights, but um, again, tremendously exciting. Uh, I've never seen Bangla Stadium so full, either before or since. And um, they, we did some at the gym as well. We did some at uh, Simbi Waitai. Uh, we did a couple of shows there. But my overall um, feeling was, um, I just felt a little bit disillusioned with it, really, because um, all the shows, apart from the Sanchez shows, were run at a loss. Uh, the only person um, that was making uh, any guaranteed money out of it was the stadium owner. And uh, they, they were incredibly stressful. Mm. And, um, you know, you didn't know if a fighter was going to be injured before the fight or they'd drop out at the last minute or there might be a problem with another gym or they didn't make weight. Or, uh, so, yeah, it was very, very stressful. And um, certainly not something that I would wish to take on off my own back. Um, it, it wouldn't be an area that I would uh, wish to pursue any further, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely understand that, you know, having worked at Max before and mm. taking care of fighters myself, you know, there's always issues with weigh-ins, people getting hurt, you know, even nervousness or getting sick, oh, all, all sorts yeah, of things. But um, I know that for a lot of uh, gyms and a lot of uh, promotions, they've done like uh, pretty well online in terms of streaming shows. Uh, for instance, when Fairtex has small in-house fights, the uh, numbers on our YouTube go much higher. Uh, Max Muay Thai has had done very well with uh, YouTube as well as uh, Pet Indie with their shows. Was that something you used when you were promoting the shows? And if so, how did it impact uh, your gym? Well, we, we didn't. Uh, at that time, that idea of live streaming, I mean, at that time, uh, most, uh, you know, bear in mind it was 12 years ago. Mm. Uh, um, I could be wrong about this, but I think things like YouTube were only developed, I can't remember if it was 2004 or 2008, hardly anybody had a smartphone at that mm, time. Mm, so it just yeah. wasn't relevant, it just wasn't relevant for the time period that we were operating. Mm -hmm. I mean, the smartphone has changed everything. Yeah, it has. It's really, really changed everything mm -hmm. and grown the business phenomenally. It's had a massive positive impact in the main on mm. the sport so um yeah so that wasn't relevant at the time mm. and, uh, we were doing the shows which would have been in 2010. right that makes sense and i thought it was maybe a little later uh because i know a lot of gyms have you know had a lot of uh, popularity because of like you know, advertising shows on their YouTube channels and doing social media. Uh, but let's move a little bit into Sumali. Um, you uh, picked a different spot on Phuket. Um, why did you choose uh, the east coast of Phuket? What is the location around Sumali like? Okay, so, so we're in uh, very much a uh, typical Thai area. It's not, not a tourist type at all. And uh, we chose, 
We chose to be there for a number of reasons. One uh, was availability of land because it's um, you know it's it's not easy finding uh, the right piece of land, the right size, surrounded by the right uh, context, um, and uh, having a landowner that you can work with, that you trust. Uh, we, we looked at many, many uh, different locations, but actually the main thing at the time, well, one, one was our vision of the gym. When, when we opened uh, the gym initially, the vision was very much that it would be a typical Thai fight gym. Uh, so so in, in that respect, uh, location wasn't that important as long as you were providing the right quality of uh, training with the right trainers, location really wasn't the issue. And the other big thing at the time was to, to move well away from the white Thai scene, which was predominantly in the south of the island, because at that time there was a lot of problems between the gyms. Mm. Um, and I don't really want to go into too many details about that, but there, were a, there was a lot of infighting between the gyms. And uh, I really didn't want to be involved in that. I wanted to, uh, I've always done my own thing. I wanted to be away and do our own thing, do something different and, and be our own business that was different from everybody else. So, they, you know, there were a number of reasons why uh, we chose the East Coast. And actually what um, could be perceived as a disadvantage is, has turned out to be one of the most advantage, has uh, turned out to be very advantageous because people like, uh, the way we've set it up, it's, it's very much a community, uh, a one-stop shop. And if people don't want to leave the site, they, they don't have to because we provide everything there. And um, and people like it because it means that they can focus on what they came to do in the first place, which is train. And um, of course, it's COVID. Um, it's been quite advantageous too because people, they, well, I mean, in Phuket at the moment, the main tourist hubs are, are like ghost towns anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But people don't want to be in places uh, where there's lots of uh, tourists coming from God knows where. So it kind of, it, it's actually worked in our favor rather than anything else. Yeah, and you built the facility itself uh, from this scratch up. What was that process like? Because, I've you know, building gyms in Thailand can be... You know, an interesting experience, at least. Well, I, we, I, when I look back on, on it, I think, my God, that was such an audacious thing to do, to think that as a, a foreign woman that you could come to Thailand and you could build a water gym is just beyond belief, really. But, but that didn't occur to me at the time. I just, I just did it, and we were so lucky. We were so lucky with um, the builder that we chose because we never had a problem with it. Everything that we've done, we've gone through the proper steps, the proper uh, procedures. So everything, uh, all the plans were drawn up by a professional architect, mm. all the, the contract that the builder was done through a lawyer. And um, and, and he, was, he was very, very uh, good. We, we didn't have a problem with it. And um, he, not only did he build a gym, he maintained it for the first year as well. So it, it wasn't, um, I think it, it was built very quickly as well. We, uh, we started in September 2011, and by December, we already had uh, the main infrastructure in place and some rooms open. We had a couple of problems I gave. Uh, we were, um, we had all the furniture in the rooms hand built, and uh, the guy that did it, he did the first six rooms, beautiful, absolutely fine. So I had to uh, put a down payment for the next. Uh, at that time, when you had eleven rooms, I had to put a down payment of one hundred eighty thousand back for the next um, uh, series of rooms that he was going to do, and uh, <laughs> I never saw him all the money again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we, um, we tried sending lawyer uh he didn't even uh respond to it mm. and um uh in his workshop and emptied who knows where he went i don't know that really was the only issue that we mm-hmm. had um 
was in a way got away with it by the skin of the team, to be honest with you, they were very fortunate. Yeah, that I mean, obviously you did a fair amount of planning as well. I do think that going th- uh, through things the right way, you know, planning it out, having an architect, getting a lawyer, it really makes sense, especially in this sort of wild, wild west environment yeah. that is Thailand. Um, I mean, every step of the way, people often say to me, oh, have we had problems? Have we had the mafia turning up, asking for money? Have we had this? Have we had that? No, the answer is no, never, because we do everything by the book. We, mm-hmm. we have our work permits, we have our licenses, we pay our tax, we register the staff for the social security. And, and if you do it that way, you, you're not vulnerable. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, so, yeah, we, we've always, and I would advise anybody who's thinking of doing business in Thailand to do it that way. Uh, because it's it's your safety net, it's your security, and it may it's more expensive to begin with, but in the long run, it makes life a, a lot easier. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting dynamic because it's not like you know if you were in the Western world in the U.S. or U.K. It's not like you would presume of setting up a business of any sort without you know the proper licensing and proper you know infrastructure yeah. behind you. But, you know, because, you know, Thailand is a little bit more sabai-sabai in some ways, you can do that, but there are real risks. Yeah. The thing is, you know, in a way, um, and, and, and I write about this, is um, Thailand appears to be sabai-sabai. Mm. Uh, but all, all the things, all the legal uh, foundation, all the... Uh, uh, is the structure all the regulatory authorities? They're all there. Mm-hmm. What the, the difference is between Thailand and um, a more developed country is that um, what uh, enforcement is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they just haven't got the resources to be able to enforce these things. However, if they do decide to enforce them and you are in breach of those regulations, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's Yeah, so um, going back a little bit to how the business was structured and sort of uh, your target market, initially you were targeting just fighters and then you sort of switched over. Um, what was that experience like? Why did you decide to sort of expand your customer base and how has that expansion impacted you long term? So, Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, you know yourself, I don't need 
to tell you that in the, in, in the fight business, it's a very, very difficult business to be in unless you've got um, some high-level sponsorship or you're involved in gambling or whatever it may be. It's uh, all, all the cutting corners. I mean, if, if you're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, like paying your tax, paying your VAT, paying for your work permit, paying your social security, then, you know, the costs of the business really, really mount up. And, um, and, and it was never going to be robust. The business, I wanted the business to be a robust business. And that uh, could build up some reserves that would see us through difficult times. And then did I know uh, that we were going to have a COVID pandemic. But, so, that, so that was kind of uh, the thinking behind it, really, is mm -hmm. that, that we didn't have enough control over what, what was happening. Mm -hmm. and, and the business wasn't as robust as I wanted it to be. So they were the uh, main two things. And actually, it's, 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 it's been brilliant. It's just, it's, it's changed everything. It changed uh, the, the range of customers that we attracted. It, uh, I mean, almost overnight, when we introduced the yoga program, we suddenly went from an average of occupancy of the rooms, because we have 16 rooms to fill, uh, we went from an average occupancy of about 65% to, uh, during high season, it was like 90, 95% mm. throughout the whole of that first high season. So it, it, it really turned the business around. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and uh, certainly in these times, because it's always made us better place to uh, withstand what, what's uh, currently happening, which we can talk about a little bit later if you like. As always, if you'd like to follow me, you can do so on Instagram, Matt Lucas Muay Thai. I always respond to messages there. I also have the website, matt-lucas.com or email me at a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. Thanks to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes stores. After years of hard work, studying, and being in the game, I publish On Fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherland. is a Muay Thai encyclopedia. It goes over scoring, matchmaking, picking gym, fight styles, gambling, Muay Thai culture, and more. It contains a series of interviews with long-term expat fighters, including Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Lisa Brealey, Angela Chang, and others. It is a great guide educates and helps guide careers by helping save fighters from costly mistakes. It is a definitive guide and is available on Amazon as an ebook and in print. So go check it out. I'm fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherlands. Yeah, there, there's definitely a couple things that I do want to talk about the book and uh, obviously COVID as well. Uh, but let's uh, stay a little bit on a little bit more of the business and the fighter side. Uh, you sponsored a few fighters. Um, what was that experience like? And, uh, you know, what was it like for, you know, if you've had fighters and having the new sort of more broader base uh, demographic in, like how have the fighters related to the new customers? So, so um, over the 10 years that um, uh, Somali's been in operation, um, I think it's 10 years this September that uh, we opened, the, um, uh, actually 10 years this September that we started, uh, we actually, it'll be 10 years in December that we opened. So over that time, we've sponsored either fully or partially at least 30 fighters. And um, I, I mean, the only thing really that I can say about the experience is that it's been mixed. Um, sometimes it's been, yeah, it's, it's, it was fine, it was exciting. It was, uh, we, we had uh, a lot of success with some of our fighters, others didn't do so well. 
Um, but it was, it was um, sometimes it was a very, very positive experience. And unfortunately, uh, on a number of times, it wasn't as positive as I would have liked it to be. And um, so we kind of, um, we moved away a little bit from sponsored fighters. We tend now mainly to sponsor um, Thais, young Thai kids. And um, we often um, they are kind of enthusiastic amateurs rather than um, kids that are going to make it big time. But we tend to focus more on those. Of all, uh, we will sponsor fighters if we know um, a little bit about them, a little bit about their background. Um, because the thing is with Thailand, um, you know, if, if I had a uh, business in the UK, if somebody came to me and was looking for sponsorship, the likelihood is I would know them, or I would know somebody that knows them, or I would know their family, or whatever. In Thailand, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. You have people um, coming in and out of the country, and, and you don't know them. And sometimes, you know, you're taking on personalities that can be quite difficult to deal with, and, and uh, can have an a negative impact on the business, which is not what you're uh, looking for. Um, so, you know, to, to, for it to be worthwhile, it has to be a positive experience. As far as mixing with customers is concerned, we've never, it's never been a problem. Mm. I mean, the, uh, the, the uh, people that come that are beginners, they love having the fighters in the gym, they love mixing with them. It's, it, that, it's never been an issue. I mean, sometimes you get some conflicts, but that would be whatever level anybody was at. But no, that's, that's never been a problem. Yeah. Uh, if, if anything, they like it. Uh, enjoy having the fighters around. And uh, you mentioned that you do sort of help out with some of the younger or you know lesser known f Thai fighters. Has that helped Sumali and its sort of place or impact in the community? Because I know a lot of the time the younger fighters are from the media area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope that uh, generally, not just with respect to the fighters, I, I hope that, um, and, I, and I believe that we have a good reputation within the community. I mean, we are very much based within a small uh, local community that um, is a, it's a it's an old established community, and uh, and we. Where we have uh, the opportunity to help the community, we help them. And we certainly helped a lot during um, the COVID period. Uh, and um, so my daughter, we did a lot of work with the local community. And uh, so many of our customers gave us uh, donated money for us to help with the trainers and with uh, local people. Uh, we did lots of food parcels and, and we ran yoga classes for the kids in the local community. And um, we did a Saturday morning session for them. So um, I, I like to think that we um, have a good reputation in the community. We, we operate a clean business. Everything about the site is well maintained. Um, we, we never have any kind of uh, issues with um, uh, disruptive behavior. And um, our trainers, all our trainers live in the community and they seem to be well established within the community so so yeah i mean it's all good and uh, i think it's um obviously it's, it's very positive it's a positive thing to do uh, regardless of whether it helps the business or not it, it's a, it's a positive and responsible thing yeah, one of the things that I've learned from you over the last years that we've been friends is, you know, about uh, corporate responsibility and business yeah. responsibilities to communities. Um, it's definitely something that I think is really important. Um, but uh, shifting gears a little bit to more of the present time, uh, what has, you know, obviously COVID has impacted everyone, uh, but how has it impacted Sumali, um, you know, Phuket, and the Muay Thai business uh, in general for, you know, in your perspective? Right, well, the Muay Thai community um, in particular was very hard hit uh, because um, the government felt that the responsible, the, the, the community generally, um, 
was responsible for holding a super spreader event at the Pinney uh, Boxing Stadium. And uh, so what, uh, it felt as if we were punished, and in that uh, whilst the majority of the country went into a lockdown, a strict lockdown, uh, I, I don't know what it was like elsewhere, but within Phuket you weren't allowed to leave your Tambon, which is the, the small district areas, I'm sure you know. Uh, so so it, was a strict, it was a strict lockdown, you couldn't even buy alcohol anywhere, it wasn't just when you were out, then all alcohol sales were banned. So it, 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 was, it was heavy duty, and, uh, but for the majority of the country, and businesses, it only lasted for two weeks. But actually the Muay Thai gyms were required to close for three months. Um, so it was a it was a very very uh, difficult time. Um, the we were fortunate um, in in many respects uh, because of, as I told you um, when we changed direction we were able to build up some financial reserves. Uh, so um, it wasn't. I mean, it was awful, but it would have been a lot worse if we hadn't been able to do that. And we also, uh, all of our staff had been registered for Social Security, so they were eligible for Social Security payments. And quite a few of our customers helped out as well. Um, but, of course, when we opened, I think it was July the 1st uh, last year that we were allowed to reopen, the same, same as all the other gyms, all um, our main customer base, which was international travellers, um, were no longer allowed into the country. So that was, I, I mean, our turnover uh, over that period must have dropped by at least 95%. You know, it's a massive massive drop of turnover. So we had to completely change and change very quickly. And um, th this is where I, uh, I said earlier that um, the, the change of direction that we'd already made stood us in good stead because we were well suited to attract uh, local people uh, to come and, and, and give it a try and um, it, you know, it wasn't a scary place, it was a place you could come into. We've got a swimming pool, we've got a beautiful yoga sala, we've got uh, a lovely vegan restaurant and things. So it was a very kind of welcoming environment and I have to say that my daughter Rhea, she was uh, responsible for completely changing the, the marketing strategy because she'd been dealing with the social media for a number of years and uh, she worked really, really hard to draw local people in and we held, uh, over the, the year we've held, you know, quite a few events and um, they the events, the purpose of the events has been to introduce more local people, uh, you know, to let them know that we're there, because we tend to we're kind of down the back a bit, although we're well signposted on the main on the main through road through Phuket, it's surprising the number of people that say, Oh, I never knew you were there. So yeah, we have worked uh, really hard on that and we've managed to establish a small uh, local customer base that's a mix of local Thai people and um, uh, expats living in the community and and that with um, a number of other things which we'll talk about later if you like but that's um, you know significant we have just to keep going. Uh, at Phuket as a whole uh, the, the advantage of the area that we're in is because it's a non-forest area actually if you came there you wouldn't even know anything had happened. It's, you know, it's still going, it's everything, you know, the local restaurants, the local garages, the tyre repair shops, the phone shop, everything is open as it was. I, I, I mean, I think, um, I don't go to these places too often, but I think um, Soi Tai, for example, when I did go there, it just looks like a ghost town. Uh, Soi Tai being the main place where most of, or a lot of the Muay Thai gyms mm. are. Very, very quiet. Patong completely closed that. Boxing Stadium, Bangla and um, Patong Boxing Stadium, all cordoned off. Um, just, just dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Um, so, what was the rest of the question? Yeah, the that 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 answered the. Uh, I think it was a three or four part question. Um,
But where, um, and I've been down to Phuket and visited a couple of places down there. Nyharn seems to be doing okay because it's yeah. more residential, but places like Kata and like you were saying, Patong are basically empty. Everything's yeah. shuttered up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you can yes. see, you can see that here in Pattaya as well, you know, the more tourist oriented uh, locations are definitely shuttered up, but things that are still serving the local community, you know, it doesn't look like anything has really happened. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is, you and know. Yeah, that's exactly what our area is like, yeah. which makes it less depressing to be in. Mm. It must mm. be in some of these other areas where everything, even the 7 Eleven in Soitai is closed. And that 7 Eleven is closed. Things are really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, that that is a very very good point. You know, because of the you know so many Seven Elevens in Thailand, just seeing you know the closed ones around town anywhere, it's it's a real you know it's a real sign. Um, but uh, just uh, hitting a little bit on the marketing side, how did Rihanna sort of change the marketing specifically? Uh, she geared things more towards local ties. Did she start using Facebook or was she doing different things on social media or was it more of the events that you were holding? It was all of those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've always had a, a good social media presence and uh, we've always been uh, very strong on that, which, which in fact is uh, something that um, has over the years attracted a number of um, corporate sponsors, one of them being Sandy Thailand and the other being Ultimate Fightwear in Hong Kong, who supported us for years and years on the basis of uh, um, the strength of our social media. So we've always been pretty strong on social media. And uh, Reels uh, proved herself to be uh, very creative. Uh, she formed um, a lot of, uh, or joined a lot of groups, got involved in a lot of social activities. So, uh, and she broadened the kind of spectrum a little bit. Um, I mean, we even had a singing bowls um, event held at the gym. Uh, we had the Phuket Swap Shop there. And um, she, she just, so she went up, she uh, made connections. And obviously she used uh, social media, social media advertising, thought uh, up a, a lot of events, even uh, we, even she has connections with the riding stables near us, and she even, you know, um, came up with uh, joint events for kids attending the riding stables that, that they could come to the gym and do uh, creative classes. We had art classes, all sorts of things that we've done to try and raise awareness and, and generate business. Mm. And um, the other thing that, that we've done, which has been largely my domain, is that um, we set up a Patreon platform. And um, the, the, the idea, of, over the years, many, many people have said to me, oh, Lynn, you should, uh, you should write about your experiences, you should write everything down. And um, so at the start of COVID, I thought, hmm, I don't, I've got plenty of time, and we've closed initially, as I said, for three months. I've got more time on my hands. This is something that I've always said that I will do. So I started to write a book about my thoughts and observations of being involved in the Muay Thai business. And, and we set up a, a Patreon platform. And um, so every month I uh, publish a chapter of the book on the platform. And we put lots of other stuff on there as well. Uh, we haven't gone down the um, instruction, uh, uh, you know, technique tutorials. We've had a few of those, but that hasn't been the mainstay of what we've been uh, putting on the platform. It's been mainly about uh, nutrition and nutrition to sport, high intensity training. It's There's been a lot of stuff about hidden Thailand, Thailand guides. Mm. And then every month, as I say, I put a chapter of the book on. And it's, it's been it's been extremely helpful in um, allowing us to retain our staff. 
And, uh, you know, I'd be forever thankful to all of the people that have subscribed to that platform. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've had a number of customers who've always been, um, you know, good supporters of ours and, and people that we didn't know beforehand. And it's, it's, it, it's just helped so much to help us to remain optimistic and to keep the, as many staff as possible employed. And there's actually, we none of our staff have been uh, forcibly laid off. Some mm -hmm. staff decided at, at the beginning of COVID or um, you know after a few months or whatever that they wanted to go back to the villages in Isan predominantly um, so there was, there's been kind of some staff wasted because of that uh, but all of the staff that wanted to stay have stayed mm -hmm. um, they're on reduced hours and they're on reduced salaries uh, because we just haven't got um, the volume of business anymore right. but they have enough for a substantial a subsistence living mm -hmm. and uh, and it's been very hard for them we're constantly conscious of how incredibly hard it's been for them and um, most well all of the income now goes to support the staff and support the cost of running the, the gym there's no um there's no profit there's no salary for Rian and i we just support the staff and we uh maintain the premises in the hope that at some point um you know the the traveling community uh will be allowed to come back yeah properly and fully into thailand yeah hopefully things will turn around you know like here at least in patia or in at Fairtex, I've I've noticed a few more foreigners have come in that have waited through the uh, quarantine period to stay for long term. Which actually, um, oh. sorry to interrupt. Uh, we have got a few of those now. Yeah, uh, we've got three customers now that have been with us on the long term uh, basis, a minimum of three months, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, they've gone through. Uh, they've either got that STV visa mm -hmm. or. Um, one of them has come on a tourist on arrival, mm -hmm. uh, a tourist visa on arrival, which you can extend. So he plans to be here for three months. And uh, again, you know, oh gosh, enormously, enormously happy to see them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, and, and there are a few others in the pipeline that I'm working with, preparing documents, mm -hmm. things that they need for their certificate of entry. So, yeah, that's going on too. Yeah, I think that's a, a really positive sign you know, for me, you know, in the last two or three months, I've seen, you know, it's not that many people, but, you know, just like this initial, you know, wave or these initial people, especially after, you know, it's basically been a year and a half with absolutely no one, you know, I see a foreigner, and I'm like, where, where, where did you come from? Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's been beyond belief, really. Uh, I mean, in certain respects, it's been absolutely, on a personal level, it's been a beautiful time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not having loads of tourists around, being able to enjoy all these uh, beautiful places uh, in Thailand without having uh, been surrounded by hordes of tourists. I mean, we went up to Kanchanaburi and uh, did the bridge of the River Kwai. Mm. Just nobody there. It was beautiful. Mm. So we've been blessed as well. Yeah. It's been a positive uh, side. And uh, yes, there's, there's been blessings too. For sure. Um, I do want to hit on the book a little bit more um, because that is something that you're pretty involved in. What's the timeline for it? And what is the writing process itself like? It's laborious. Um, that's, that's the main uh, way of describing it. <laughs> say in the book was already in my head. Mm. Um, I'd uh, mentally mapped it out, probably been mentally mapping it out for years actually, um, but didn't, you know, that kind of thing goes on subconsciously, you don't mm -hmm. realise that you're doing it, but then when you sit down like, oh this is chapter one, two, three, you know, you know what the chapter, you, you know yourself map, you've written books, you know, mm -hmm. you know how, how it goes, so, so really everything was there in my head. So it's been a, a, the laborious process of transferring that 
from my head to paper. And, um, or, or not paper, that's uh, years ago, but right. to onto the computer. So the, um, the, so far, I think, I can't remember exactly when I started it. I think maybe I started it in May or June. And literally this week, I've, uh, I'm halfway through the final chapter. Mm-hmm. So um, there's maybe another 3,000 words to write. Mm-hmm. But obviously, once I've done that, there are 12 chapters in total. And it takes, it covers every aspect of my journey and of the Muay Thai business and um, it's my perspective and my interpretation of of, uh, of what's happened and really lots of advice and information about how to do business in Thailand, lots of uh, information about how to, for people to understand about what, what's actually going on and why it's going on and lots of anecdotes of, about some of the amazing um, experiences that I never ever would have had if I had not become involved in the Muay Thai business. Uh, so yeah, so basically written and now I need to, uh, because it's been written over a long time, I need to make sure, I need to put it all together, put the chapters in order because they haven't been written in order, mm. what I thought were the most interesting ones first. I need to put it all in order, I need to read it through and check that it all flows, that I haven't duplicated myself, that I haven't missed stuff out. <laughs> and then after that, I don't know what, how, what the next stage will be, and that's something that I will be um, talking to you uh, mm. about to just um, get some help and advice from you because you've been through the process. So yeah. that would be enormously helpful to me. Um, what do you think is maybe one or two of the key takeaways that people would have um, from if, if they read your book? If you want to do something, if you set your mind on something, um, then it is possible to uh, achieve it. But that along the way, you need to be adaptable. Mm. You need to to change and uh, you need to um, all the time. I I mean, honestly, much more than my previous business. This one, uh, it's really constantly involved a lot of thought and um, thinking and trying to be creative and constantly constantly working on the business, trying Mm -hmm. to evolve it, trying to develop it, trying to make it different from the others. It's been a constant process. So you have to be adaptable as well. It's hard work. It's Mm -hmm. hard work. But the rewards are enormously satisfying and enjoyable. So, yeah, that, I think, um, would be a good summary of uh, what you could take away from the book. Yeah, it's a good summary of uh, your business journey as well. Um, But uh, wrapping things up, uh, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I think uh, one thing that I uh, just wanted to uh, point, well, there's two things actually. One is I just wanted people to understand a little bit more about what uh, running a white eye gym involves. And because uh, people tend to think, oh, white eye gym fights, fighters, that, that's mm. what it's involved. And um, it's, it's actually uh, to do it um, in a business like way, it's actually an enormous undertaking because there's all the statutory. Um, and regulatory uh, things that you have to um, adhere to. There's there's all the accountancy that has to be done. There's a lot of administration, um, dealing with uh, inquiries, dealing with uh, the staff, dealing, you know, well, what employment law interprets mm. with that. Uh, there's all this marketing is incredible social media is incredibly important that's a constant thing uh, we're working on that all of the time and there's the hotel side of the business because we have six new rooms so we have to make sure that all of that runs smoothly 
that you know that we've got everything in place, all the uh, services and resources that you need to run that side of the business. Uh, we've got two. Normally, we've got two restaurants. We've got a vegan restaurant, and we've got a kind of international Thai restaurant. And we've got a yoga studio, and we've got obviously the Muay Thai side of the business, and and the staff to take care of too. So um, that's kind of the the extent of the operation. I don't think um, we've covered before. So I, you know, just wanted to point that out that it is actually um, it's a big undertaking. Yeah. You have to be well equipped and resourced um, to be able to. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, oh, it is it, logistically, it's very involved. You know, the hotel has its own logistics, the yoga has its own logistics, the Muay Thai, and then, of course, all the staffing uh, for the different a- areas, and then yeah. the payroll, the schedules, it's yeah. the accounting. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of management. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, don't come into it in a lighthearted way. If you want to do it well and you want to be successful, you have to be well resourced mm-hmm. personally, or you have to have the team behind you mm-hmm. to be able to do that. I mean, I've been very, very lucky in that my daughter learned to speak Thai very quickly. And as you know yourself, Matt, she speaks Thai very, very well and she reads and writes Thai. So she's been such uh, an enormous. I do, you know, I do agree with you Um, in a lot of ways, you know, the COVID phenomenon or COVID pandemic has really cut out a lot of uh, infrastructure in the sport, you know, so for instance, the Isan shows were gone, gone, which means where, how are the fighters going to develop to the televised shows um, and to the bigger stadiums? Yeah. So it's two years out of their career. All all the tourist shows, you know, the ones that sorry, not tourist shows, but ones at the tourist hubs, mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, and and I think in some respects, what what the pandemic has done is is shown how vulnerable the business mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. and um, that's something that um, everybody within the it is a very good opportunity though for you know us to reset as well to sort of uh, figure yeah. out more positive ways to impact people to develop the sport in a more you know responsible manner as well yeah so yeah. We'll see what happens. Take it as an opportunity. 
Yeah. Uh, that, and that will be the best that could come out of it. Uh, yeah, if we take it as an opportunity to reset, reflect, and um, yeah, think about uh, where we go from here as a business community. Absolutely. So uh, just wrapping things up, um, how can people follow you? Where can people uh, subscribe to your Patreon? Um, and how can people stay in touch with uh, your journey? Okay, so I mean, obviously, we have many ways in which uh, you can stay in touch with us. Uh, we are called Somali Phuket, and you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram. We do have a Patreon account uh, where, um, apart from anything else, all the chapters of the book are, um, are gradually being put onto that account. And that's www dot patreon.com forward slash Somali Phuket uh, S&P with capitals uh, we have um, a YouTube channel and I'm sure that you're going to put all of the, this information um, underneath the podcast as well Matt correct uh, thank you so much for taking your time out Lynn and thank you very so much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you and um, give you some of my thoughts and experiences about what's uh, happening in the community. Thanks. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. So I think there's a lot to take away from this interview. Uh, you know, there's things about running the business, uh, sort of understanding how a lot of gyms operate on having a lot of small clients, a lot of small customer base and you just need a lot of them. Rather than, you know, in Lynn's previous experience, she had bigger paying customers. Uh, you know, a lot of the business practices that can be antiquated in the Muay Thai industry, uh, a lot of the things about planning the architecture and the different sort of routes that people go in the Muay Thai world. So a lot of people go into more fitness so into BJJ, MMA, and that's how they expand. Lynn chose to do a more holistic approach, which I think is really interesting. The most interesting thing to me actually came towards the end of the conversation about the infrastructure of the sport after COVID. What is going to happen now? Because so many of the small shows have been wiped out, it's mainly the televised shows that are still in existence. And there's basically been a two-year hiatus on these small shows. It costs a, you know, a lot of money for these small shows proportionately to get going. And they're the bread and butter of the larger shows. So without that sort of baseline infrastructure, what's going to happen to Thailand? Obviously, Lynn has an idea of what may happen. We'll have to see what actually happens in the future. Will the tourists come back? Will Isan and the other sort of outlying areas be able to rebuild? It's definitely a formative and crucial time for the industry. So I'm really grateful to have listened to Lynn talk and uh, just having gotten to know a little bit more about her practice and her insight into the business. Thank you as always for listening. And once again, if you like this show and if you like the content, would be great if you could share, uh, leave a review on iTunes, and really support the show and what I'm doing here. If you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram at Lucas Thai or email me at a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. As always, this has been On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.